0: A Biblical Response to an Unbiblical Decision. Just a couple of weeks ago, we had a serious decision handed down to us from the Supreme Court. How do we respond as Christians? What does the Bible say? Let's find out next. From Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City, this is Graceful Truth with our teacher and pastor, Steve Converse. Welcome to the program. Currently, we're in the middle of a series working our way through the Book of Romans, but in light of the recent decision handed to us by the Supreme Court not all that long ago, we thought it fitting to take a look at a biblical response to the unbiblical decision that's been laid out before us. So what is our response as Christians? How do we act in a truthful yet loving way? Well, that's what we're focusing on over the next couple of weeks. Please join us for some insights into these troubling times. Here's Pastor Steve Converse now with today's program. The biblical response
1: to an unbiblical decision. And and basically we just want to address the church on recent on this recent Supreme, Supreme Court ruling this decision concerning marriage. A historic <clears throat> almost Roman Romans 1-esque decision was made by the U.S. Supreme Court, 4 to 5, that same-sex marriage is a constitutional right on the basis of the majority's interpretation of the 14th Amendment. Uh, Not only did they attempt to assume the role of God Almighty, who has already declared that marriage is only between one man and one woman for life. But five black-robed individuals have overturned the votes of 50 million Americans in 30 states. And they're demanding that we turn our backs on thousands of years of human history, um, reams of social science data, and most importantly to us as believers, the clear teachings in God's holy scriptures. Uh, The U.S. Supreme Court ruled 5-4 that the 14th Amendment requires all 50 states to issue marriage licenses for same-sex couples and recognize those marriages performed in other states. Up to that time, it was basically left up to the states. Um, Exactly two years after the court's majority took an iron gavel and smashed the federal marriage law, these same five black-robed lawyers came back to finish the job, intervening Uh, Inventing a sweeping right to same-sex marriage that no founding father ever, ever intended. Just as President Abraham Lincoln refused to accept the Supreme Court's Dred Scott decision in 1857 declaring that a black slave was not a human being with full rights and just as Americans refused to accept the Supreme Court many Americans uh, refused to accept the Supreme Court's rule, ruling in Roe v.ersus Wade in 1973 legalizing the killing of the unborn we don't have to accept this ruling on marriage in 2015 but with that being said how do we respond? How do we respond as a church? How do we respond as Christians? That's what we're going to be covering the next couple weeks, I know we have children in here this morning, so this morning we 're just going to be going through these eight points, and basically it 's going to be a uh, message focused on god 's word, and we won 't get into all the details, so parents kind of relax um, but I, I want to, like I said, take a break from Romans our series of Romans, but then again, really not, and uh, i can 't imagine um, a better way really to Start this message than by reading Romans chapter 1 and into chapter 2. Um, Because this court may have ruled on marriage, uh, but the book of Romans has a lot to say about a biblical response to an unbiblical decision regarding this ruling. Um, There's no... Room for discussion as far as I'm concerned on this. God has already overruled and he has already decided. There's no space for debate. His word forever establishes the divine pattern for marriage. That's what we believe. And as Romans 3, 4 says, God be found true, though every man be found a liar. And his opinion is binding. His opinion, God's opinion, is final. Amen? Amen. But among those in Christendom the last couple days, there's been everything from shock to outrage to fear to indifference. And I just want to share with you, uh, none of this should shock us. None of this should surprise us. Whatever our response, surprise should not be one of them. Because from what the Word of God says, um, clearly we should not be surprised. The Bible tells us that these days are coming, and we're actually living in these days. And so, as we start this little message, I want to start off in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, Romans chapter 1, verse 16, and I simply want to read down to chapter 2, verse 16. This is Paul writing, and you'll see how this applies so very clearly to what's going on in our world today. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give Him thanks. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images representing mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Verse 24, Therefore God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity. maliciousness they're gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent haughty boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless though they know God's decree that those who practice such things deserve to die they not only do them but give approval to those who Or do you presume on the riches of His kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? But because of your hand and impotent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's judgment, righteous judgment, will be revealed. He will render to each one according to His works, to those who by patience and well-doing seek the glor- for glory and honor and immortality, He will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil. The Jew first and also the Greek. But glory... In honor and peace for everyone who does good, the Jew first and also the Greek, for God shows no partiality. For all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law, and all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not the hearer of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves even though they do not have the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts while their conscience also bears witness. And their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them. On that day, when according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by... Jesus Christ. I read that because the power of God's word has a power to convict our hearts. And not just lives filled with grievous sins. But as Paul said, before we judge, we better look at our own selves. As Christians, as a church, we better look at our own commitment to what we believe. Because I guarantee you there will come a day when that commitment will be called into question. There will come a day, it may be a year, it may be 10 years, it may be 15 years down the road, who knows. But there will come a day, I believe, when our government will approach churches and say, either you affirm this decision, and you allow people who practice such things to participate and become members, and that you affirm this lifestyle, or... The only thing they have over churches really is your tax-exempt exempt status will be revoked. And if you stop and think, if the government revoked the tax-exempt ex- status of a lot of churches, they would be subject to property taxes beyond what they could afford. That's what they have. And I think that there'll come a day when we have to make a decision as leaders, as Christians as churches what we will stand for and I don't know about you but I'm ready to stand for what is right for what is true I'm ready to stand on the word of God unapologetically and let the consequences fall last, this last week I read a little blog by Eric Davis on Cripplegate and I'm going to use that as my outline because it just made a lot of sense to me as I read through this and As we respond, what is a biblical response to this? Well, we can't do anything but respond with what God's Word says. We have to go to God's Word. We have to be reminded that, you know what, this is just another act that the enemy is pulling off. And that ultimately, um, you know, this is the way of the world. Uh, We shouldn't be surprised by this. I mean, I I hear a lot of Christians, a lot of even pastors, kind of almost reacting in a way that they're making decisions that maybe they shouldn't be making right now. They should maybe take some time and pray and make sure that their decisions are led by the Lord. Um, Because whether you like it or not, we're still held to respect those in authority over us. That includes our president, that includes the vice president, that includes his cabinet, that includes even the Supreme Court members that we're called to respect them. Now, we don't obey man, but rather we obey God, so there's one thing about respecting somebody, but if somebody tells you to do something that's contrary to the word of God, you have to respectfully say no. And you know there's not going to be a time when at least while I'm here when this church embraces something like this it just won't happen and here's why first of all god is still sovereign and god is still supreme amen, amen. this doesn't change anything this does not change a single thing isaiah chapter 46 verse 6 or verse 9 and 10 says this isaiah 46 verses 9 and 10. It says, Remember the former things long past, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is no one like me. Declaring the end from the beginning and from the ancient times, things which have not been done, saying, My purpose, listen to this, my purpose will be established, says God, and I will accomplish my good pleasure. This didn't catch God off guard. God was no more surprised by this Supreme Court ruling on marriage than he was when rulers 2,000 years ago took his own son and crucified him on a cross. He wasn't surprised at that either. As a matter of fact, it was part of his divine plan. It serves his own purposes for history. He is in total control, beloved, of this ruling, whether we like it or not just as he is over every little water molecule in the San Francisco Bay, just as he is over every star billions of light years away, just as he is over the return of his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to make all things right, he is in control. The God of the Bible saw this coming. And for whatever reason, he ordained it for his own reason. God is sovereign. He is supreme. If you lose sight of that, you don't have any hope. (laughs) Secondly, I want you to understand, not only is God still sovereign and supreme, but secondly, man is still utterly wicked. Man is still utterly wicked. Look at what it says, as we read through Romans chapter 1, verse 28. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind. To do what ought not to be done. God gave them up. We can't make up our own rules in this life. Whether it's about marriage. Whether it's about human life. Whether it's about anything. God has already spoken. See, it's one thing for humanity to sin against God. It's one thing for humanity to sin against our glorious and loving God. We see that all the time. But I'll tell you what, it's quite another to make our sin a matter of law. Um, That's what he says there in verse 32. Though they know God's decree that those who practice such things deserve to die. And that seems kind of radical. But look at what it says at the end. They do not only do them, but they give approval to those who practice them. See, the Supreme Court's ruling in my mind, is a sin of epic proportion. But it's just another form of this rebellious, sinful human race reaching out against a holy God. So it shouldn't surprise us. Man is still utterly sinful. And we have to be reminded that in the heart of each of us, every human being is the capacity for every known sin. Except by the grace of God, what? There go I. And we need to be real with that. You know, when we get back into Romans, we're going to be talking about the Apostle Paul, wrote most of the New Testament. And here is this man of God saying, man, I don't know why I'm doing these things I shouldn't be doing, but I'm doing them, and the things that I should be doing, that I want to do, I don't do them. There's that tension in our Christian lives. There's sin there. Even though the truth of Romans tells us, and up to this point, we know that the old nature's dead, it's buried, it's gone. When God looks at us, he looks at us as a righteous individual, not because of our own righteousness, but because we have the righteousness of Christ placed upon us. We are justified by Christ's work on the cross. He clothes us in his righteousness. We become one with Christ. That's our position before God. But never, never stop to forget that practically, practically every day we're reminded that we are mere sinners saved by God's grace. That we fall, that we falter, that we fail. That we do things that normally we wouldn't do. We do things that are dishonoring to Christ. We say things that are dishonoring to Christ. We say things that are dishonoring to others. We have anger issues. We have temper issues. We have disobedient issues that that run through our veins. And Paul basically, the bottom line says, you know what? You're going to have that until you get rid of your body. If you don't want that anymore, then you know what? Check out of this body. Because as long as you're in this body of flesh here in this sinful world you're going to have to deal with that three-letter enemy sin. And you're going to have to deal with it often. But the good news is is that in Christ our sins are forgiven. There's no condemnation for those that are in Christ. Amen? Amen? Even though we're utterly wicked and sinful people. That Christ has paid the price for that sin. And so as Christians, we don't need to walk around with sackcloth on our heads saying, Whoa, whoa, is me a sinner? That's not the attitude we should carry. The attitude we should carry is say, Yes, a sinner I am, but God is greater than my sin. He has forgiven my sin. He has reconciled me back to him through the work of Christ. And I am truly forgiven. I think one of the the major problems that a lot of believers have is they forget who they are in Christ. They forget what the Bible says about them in Christ. And so they become a Christian, and then, boy, they're all going to save the world. And then they realize, wait a minute, I'm still struggling with sin. And so certain sins begin to creep back into their life, and they get discouraged. And they're like, wait a minute, I thought all this was supposed to go away. What happened to the happy, happy plan that Jesus had for me? Somebody somewhere along the line forgot to tell them that, hey, wait a minute. You know, Jesus promises you joy. He promises you peace. He promises you forgiveness. But he also promises you trials and tribulation and suffering and persecution. You know, they didn't mention that to me when I was praying that little prayer with them out on the street there. They didn't say anything about persecution. They didn't say anything about dealing with sin. Now I actually got to make a decision not to sin. Before, I just sinned and it didn't matter. Now in Christ, all of a sudden, they have this tension saying, well, okay, am I going to give in to this temptation or not? So we need to be reminded that not only the the people that hold on to this kind of lifestyle and push it on others are sinners, but you know what? We are sinners as well. And that should cause Paul's humiliation on our part. Jesus kind of hit this right on the the head when he said, you know what, you may not be committing adultery with your neighbor's wife, but if you're looking at a woman with lust, you're, you're committing adultery. What did he do? He took the external action of sin and he internalized it. You can sin in thought without ever even doing anything. People look at you and think, wow, what a spiritual giant that person is. If they were to be able to see the darkness in your heart at times... They would really begin to pray for you. (laughs) See, whether we're sorrowing over this decision or as some are in San Francisco today celebrating it and lauding it, one thing is sure we're all from the same pot, we all come from the same stock, we're all filled with sin,
0: we all have a sin issue. Well, thank you for spending time with us here today on Graceful Truth, the ministry of Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. It's our prayer here at Graceful Truth that God would reveal His grace to your hearts through the teaching of His Word each week. And we trust you're currently involved in a Bible teaching church in your area. If not, we'd love to have you come and visit us here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. We meet each Sunday morning for our praise and worship service at 10 a.m., We offer nursery care and Sunday school classes for our children up to grade 5. And if you would like to encourage us here at Graceful Truth, please give us a call at Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. Our phone number is 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. We meet at 2225 Euclid Avenue here in Redwood City. Directions are on our website, gracefultruth.org, or again, simply call 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. And again, we'd love to have you join us for worship. Simply call for directions or go to our website, gracefultruth.org. While you're at our website, make sure to check out the resource materials available from us here at Graceful Truth, including past programs of Graceful Truth that you can download for free. GracefulTruth.org is where to go. If you're writing to us, our address is 2225 Euclid Avenue. That's 2225 Euclid Avenue. We're here in Redwood City. The zip code is 94061. And again, our phone number is 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. We thank you for spending time with us today, and trust we'll see you next week at this same time for another broadcast of Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse.